Welcome back to Because We Had To, the ultimate podcast dedicated to the American spirit of entrepreneurship and creativity, hosted by yours truly, Brian Castle, along with my brother from another wonderful mother, Kevin Jones. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing fantastic, man. Really exciting things going on within the organization that we're grinding towards, but 80-hour weeks and and a pretty big grind, but it's all for uh, all for good. It's all uh, it's one of those. It's, it really does go back to the thing is if you love what you're doing and you're excited about it, it doesn't feel like work. So uh, I'm still making it a soccer practice and then cranking back up at night. But it's it's been a fun run, but uh, uh, definitely a, a challenging one from that perspective. And the pandemic specifically has created you know complexities. Well, I've seen you uh, online. Uh, late at night quite a bit, uh, as you referenced. And uh, I don't know why I thought you'd look all ramshackle, but you don't. You you look like somebody that climbed the mountain, lived to tell about it, and getting getting excited about the walk back downhill. Well, that's all true. So um, it's just more of a philosophical mountain than an actual mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, we've, we've been able to, you know, the weekend was great. And um, as you saw, I've made, uh, I've worked hard to create an environment, which is, uh, is fun while we're doing this work is, so since you're saying you've seen online, I know that you saw that I have a brand new turntable and a new little bourbon bar in my upstairs office that, you know, gets the vibe right for those late nights. And that's important too, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm creating a collection of live at the Ryman, uh, vinyl and many of which I've actually been able to attend. So that's it's kind of fun. This is so Nashville. <laughs> um, so give, give us, uh, you were telling me the other day, uh, but who are the artists that you're collecting live vinyl at the Ryman, Mother Church Country Music? I consider it the Mother Church of all music, basically, unless you want to exclude the Gregorian chant stuff. Uh but everything else pretty much. Who are the artists you're collecting currently? I think the gem right now is the the Brothers Osborne live at the Ryman. That was just one of my favorite shows that I've been to since I moved to Nashville. And they're absolutely phenomenal. And the live album does it justice. Got the Wild Feathers and Brandy Carlisle. And yeah, I'm pursuing uh, a couple of Katie Pruitt albums that are phenomenal I and mean, i don't know if you've heard her but yeah you turned us on to katie if you're worth uh anyone who's listening entire uh 30 minutes just to find that online but uh harper gray's got some new albums out you know she's a close friend of mine and a previous guest yeah she was our first guest yeah she's got a couple of really nice songs out um and then you know the mountain the north carolina boy i mean i, I still Man, the the Morgan Wallen stuff that's coming out right now is really, really good. The guy's got a, a classic voice and I really like uh really like listening to him. So my friend Maggie Rose too, she's really done a great job um during the pandemic of of writing a lot of amazing songs and she's got a she's got a new album coming out, but she did some virtual concerts where she showcased some of that and that's an absolute must have. Before we get to uh Somebody I think is going to be a truly special guest, uh, your good friend and collaborator, Corey Capocha of Wampley. I wanted to have a conversation with you. Um, 
you introduced me last year to this concept of this duality of followership and leadership. And this is something you've modeled for me for over two decades. Like for every person you tried to coach and develop to their full potential, somebody like me, you also were constantly looking laterally and especially up to try to get better yourself. There's an acknowledgement there that you can't do it on your own. Um, and so when we looked at this topic, it became kind of a greatest hits of other things we like to talk about. And so can you talk for a minute from your perspective about how being character driven, having those traits we've talked about a lot of respect and humility, how do you think that drives both being a good follower and a good leader? Yeah, I think being character driven is essential to being good at either because there takes, first of all, it takes a certain level of confidence, I think, to be a good follower or a good leader. And you can do either without confidence or character, by the way, but you can't sustainably do it in a way that lifts you up. And when you have a set of values that you believe to your core, it makes it much easier to be in a descending position and descending positions are really critical to growth. So, you know, one of the things when I think about character, though, is um, I remember this interview I saw with John Gruden one time, and it's actually really interesting because he was talking about the difference between coaching in college and coaching in the NFL. And, you know, with college, you know, if you're a huge Carolina fan like Suzette and I, um, if you're playing for the university and you happen to have a really bad leader, you're still going to play your tail off because you're wearing the Carolina blue. And the school means that to you. But when you get to the NFL, that isn't true anymore. Um, when you get to the NFL, sometimes those people are making more money than you're making. And so at that point, they could actually cost you your job. Um, no one's going to cost Roy his job if he's, you know, just from a personality conflict. And so um, the difference, he said, was just an absolute must to have character and to be genuine because those people – that are really at your level or above your level, as he would put it, those people can see through a fake person. They can see through someone that doesn't have character. And if you don't have the credibility to lead, you know, no one's going to follow you. So we always talk internally here about the difference between having, you know, title leadership and, and general leadership, because it's interesting when you go into certain rooms, you can tell who's in charge, even if they don't have the title. And I always joke about if there's, if someone storms the building and, you know, I run out one door and someone else run, runs out another door and says, follow me, like, who are they going to follow? That isn't going to be dictated by title. <laughs> That's going to be dictated by who do they think has the character, integrity, trust, and ability to actually get the job done, right? And so uh, I think I think character is a, a core makeup of what creates good followers. And just to double back on followership, I've told you before, you can go to the library or to Barnes and Noble today and look up uh, leadership books and you're going to find like 350 different ones. But go go check out uh, a book on followership. I mean, there isn't one or maybe one I don't know about, but there's not any. And it's kind of silly because it's just as important. 
Because if, you're, if you can't be a good student, you can't be a good teacher ever. And so you can be good at both. You're mentoring people so they'll continue pushing you. But then you're also striving for something above you that, you know, because otherwise, if those people are growing faster, then you're just going to pass you by. So if you want to stay a good leader, you've got to keep striving for growth. So you want people pushing you and you want people pulling you. Well, I hope Suzette would tell you for at least seven to 25 hours how much I've taught her. But I could talk at least that long about what she's taught me. Um, I know when she cares enough to speak up about something with me, I will immediately be penalized uh, and experience uh, great harm bodily or otherwise if I don't listen to what she's telling me. So, you know, you could look at us. I think I'm like 200 years older. I've been in business 300 years longer. Uh, and, And none of that stuff matters. You know, it's about talent, drive, you know, the will to be better. Uh, and we can all teach each other, right? No question about it. And that's, you touched on something that's really important too, which is having a performance-based culture where everyone knows they can speak and that everyone's voice is heard and all opinions are important because frankly, the biggest risk that like you and I have from having institutional knowledge for our industries is failing to understand how something could be done that maybe hasn't been done. And so some of the rules that we believe are there aren't there. And it's really healthy to be challenged consistently on, you know, one of the things I tell my teams, I think it's really valuable. I said, every time you come in January 1st, pretend you were just hired because I've never gone into a new job in my whole life where I didn't see 15 things that needed to be changed immediately. And they were very, very easy to see. So if you, if you take all the pride of ownership and authorship and everything away and you were walking in, you didn't know anyone, what's the thing, what things would you change? And if you're able to actually exercise and execute upon that really well, you're always a fresh leader. You don't need to be replaced. You're replacing yourself every year with a better version. You're listening to Because We Had To, powered by Solero Commerce on the Park Life Podcast Network. Change the way you do business with state-of-the-art payment solutions, including curbside, delivery, and e-commerce options. Visit solerocommerce.com to learn more. All right, Kevin. Well, while our special guest, uh, Corey Capocha, founder of Wompley, is getting settled in the virtual studio, uh, tell me why you were so eager to have him on the podcast. Well, first of all, he's a he's a person that I respect a lot personally and like a lot personally, and so we've we've formed a good friendship over the years, which has led to a lot of conversations about things going on within our fintech ecosystem and. Um, we've had a chance to do some skiing together and, and spend a lot of time together. And he's just one of the brighter uh, leaders within our industry. Um, he's consistently being innovative and thought provoking. And frankly, when it comes to um, what we're trying to do at Solero and a lot of my career, which is kind of level the playing field between the, the big guys, the TGI Fridays, et cetera, that have had amazing tools to help them run their businesses for years and the main street, uh, merchants that have really struggled to keep up with those. You know, he's one of those places in the ecosystem that helps equalize that. Well, that's sufficient for me. Corey, how you doing? 
Hey, Brian, KJ, doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. I've I've heard a lot about you just now and before, and we've been excited to have you on. Uh, we started this podcast to celebrate entrepreneurs and and mainly just to uh, have the kind of people on that inspire us and our listeners. So that's a really tall order, uh, but I've heard you can uh, fill it and then some. Tell our tell us uh, tell our listeners about your company, Wampley, uh, and its value proposition for small business that Kevin was just alluding to. Yeah, that, that is a tall order. I'll see what we can do here, Brian. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, for anyone who's not familiar with us at Wampley, uh, you know, we, we kind of live and breathe small business. And we have since we started the company, uh, man, almost coming up on 10 years here. And you know, we've really uh, anchored ourselves around being this like engine for small businesses and reacting to the environment for them, to Kevin's point, because they haven't had the same resources as much larger uh, you know, regional or national businesses have had. Uh, so our focus is helping them just you know, make local commerce happen. Um, you know, I think more uh, recently, things have changed, uh, obviously, for local businesses at a scale that no one could really anticipate. And uh, I think the you know the importance of the work that we're doing uh, has also escalated, uh, and they need us now more than ever. And so, you know, a lot of what we've done uh, has been evolution of just kind of listening to their needs, uh, but also anticipating where where the world's going and trying to help get them there as quickly as possible. Uh, so at Wampley, uh, we started out uh, by building software for them directly, and we built uh, powerful applications that help them. Uh, just understand all the information related to their business. You know that that information tends to exist in all kinds of different areas. So they've got information on their social media sites with customers. You know, communicating with them there. Uh, they've got information in their POS devices and their terminals, in their merchant accounts and their bank accounts. You know, they've got uh, information they get from customers in their store. Um, there's just this you know kind of wealth of information that exists in all these different silos and. If you're that individual small business owner running your shop, spending you know 12, 14 hours a day dealing with everything from inventory to customers to employees, you don't have a lot of time to make sense of all that information. And so where we started uh, the business was just trying to bring all that information together to make it simple for a business owner to make better business decisions. And, and we serve that information up to them. Then we took that a step further and we said, well, we don't want to create more work for you. We don't want to add that you know, 13th or, or 15th hour to the day for you um, and that extra checklist item that you have to you know, check off before you can go home for the day. And so we started automating a lot of the work for them. So we do things like uh, automatically communicate with their customers after they visit their store, uh, automatically invite their customers to come back and, and you know, encourage them to come back and spend a little bit more and visit one more time. Uh, we'd automatically manage their online presence, including everything like responding to review requests. Uh, and you know, we kind of wrapped all this into our application uh, itself so that you know, as a business owner, you can turn our software on as like you know, the, the extra employee that you, uh, you, know, you hadn't hired yet that can do all these roles for you, but we do it with our software. Uh, and since then, we've started expanding out into a bunch of other areas. We're now providing marketing solutions. Uh, we're providing financial solutions. Uh, and we also have APIs uh, that extend our core data 
out into the applications that they also use in other parts of their business. So you know, we recognize that we're not going to build and solve every use case with our software directly, um, but we want to empower other software developers and other companies to leverage the data that we have access to in their solutions so they can better serve you know, their customers um, and supercharge those applications that they're using. So, you know, our, our mission at the end of the day has been all around helping small business thrive in, in this digital world. And, you know, as Kevin put it, um, we've always said we want to level the playing field for them as they're competing against these, these national giants, these big box stores, you know, the rise of e-commerce. Uh, and we've been successful in doing that with uh, over 500,000 businesses now and, and supporting them and their customers. So, uh, you know, we're excited about the progress to date and, uh, you know, excited about what's to come. I was surprised to see that you were already coming up on your 10-year anniversary soon. And that, that says a lot, any any business. And you know this with your deep respect for any startup, whether it's technology or a hair salon, uh, being around for 10 years is more than just a milestone. It's something really to celebrate. What's the secret to that longevity? Uh, it's a great question, you know, and, and mostly it's just doing what KJ says. You know, as long as uh, <laughs> as long as we execute on KJ's uh, KJ's wishes, and uh, you know, we're keeping him happy. Um, uh, you know, I, I think uh, yeah, as as we've talked about a little bit in this, um, uh, it's a battle, right? Like building building a startup. This is my second time around building a company from the ground up, and it's an absolute battle every single day. You know, some of them are small battles, some of them are fun battles, some of them are really big battles, and uh, you know, and it's all about just kind of continuing to uh, to persist in, in how you evolve and being adaptive and being flexible. Um, you know, there's a, a saying I heard a long time ago and, and that I've continued to reiterate to our team. Uh, and that's if you rest, you rust. And we really try to take that to heart. Um, you know, we're constantly sitting here thinking about where the market is and, and where is it going. Um, and, you know, we think that as is one of the really uh, I think key reasons why we're able to be super successful um, during the core months of the pandemic uh, in you know adapting our business to support our our customers where they needed us most. So you know very specifically, like we went through and we basically put down kind of our traditional business model for the months of you know February to June, and we said, look, the most important thing to our businesses right now is they need liquidity, they need access to capital so that they can survive. And we're sitting on, uh, you know, technology, resources of individuals, uh, and also great data that we can help uh, at the beginning work with and collaborate with policymakers and academics. So we're working directly with the SBA, with the, the Fed. We're working with, you know, Harvard, MIT, a bunch of different foundations uh, to give them access to data that could help them make better decisions around how do we navigate this this time? How do we think about the magnitude and the timing and the delivery mechanisms for any sort of stimulus relief. Uh, and then when uh, the CARES Act started to come together and uh, PPP was a reality, you know, the challenge then became, how do we get our customers access to PPP funds that, you know, at the beginning, it was, it was a free-for-all. Um, the SBA couldn't keep up. Their systems were dated. Banks, you know, had, they were doing more S, uh, PPP loans in like, you know, a few hours than they had done in all the prior years. I mean, it just, the system was completely overrun. And so uh, as a technology company, you know, we immediately said, well, let's, let's partner with any of our partners and, and new partners that we can who have customers that are impacted. Uh, let's build out uh, you know, a, a unique tech stack uh, that we did in, in a matter of a week to 
basically play matchmaker between small businesses and lenders and accelerate uh, the timeframe through which they could get access to PPP funds and secure an, an SBA e-trend number so that they could you know, protect their business for that next battle that's around the corner. Uh, and so, you know, that that was something we did that was completely out of left field, uh, not, you know, uh, something that was a core competency of our business, but it really was rising to the occasion in a time of need. Uh, and, you know, now as we kind of look over a longer horizon, we've had a chance to pop our heads up for, for a little bit of fresh air. Uh, you know, we're looking at a broad spectrum of things like how do we help them connect with you know, their customers? How do we respect the way that customers have changed the way that they want to transact with businesses. So things like remote payments and other digital tools that help them, you know, connect with their customers in meaningful ways, save time so they can focus on other critical business tasks, increase the number of visits that customers are making, and ultimately, you know, make revenue uh, at a time when revenues have been significantly depressed for small businesses. Uh, And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just really being resilient um, and being flexible and, and being willing to to say, um, uh, you know, hey, we're willing to take that on and, and not you know, look at it and say, well, that's not our job. That's not what we founded the company on. Uh, and that's, you know, something we've looked back on these these past few months that have been really hard for so many, but we're very proud of the work that we did there. So the two of you go back farther, I know, than the current Solero Wampley Nexus. Um, you've worked, you've done some great work, I'm sure. Uh, together on the board of the ETA, uh, the Electronic Transactions Association, the premier trade organization in payments and financial technology. Why is that organization that you two have rolled your sleeves up and done some of the work with a lot of other great people? Why is that organization so important to both of you? And Feel free to jump in here, Kevin, because I know this one's dear to you too. Yeah, I mean, I'll start off here. Just, it's interesting too because you know I I ushered Corey into that situation mainly because the service that he's providing and the way that he thinks about the ecosystem is really important. It's a really important voice to have, and frankly, uh, look good for doing so. Specifically, given the pandemic period that we went through, because it emphasized or magnified the need for the products and the thought process that he has. And as he said, I mean, they did a phenomenal job of you know, free of charge, uh, being a friend to the ecosystem during this period. You know, we talked a lot last time, Brian, about how we tried to do that at Solero and just go back to our, our core, like what's our core job? And that's to serve a small to mid-sized business to help them survive and thrive. And when, you know, the chips were down, we just dug into doing that. Um, we didn't actually worry about even who they processed with. And so Corey did the same thing in a lot of ways during this last pandemic period of sharing data openly and freely with a large base of of people to help them make good decisions. And I'm more familiar with the fintech space, but as he said, he shared it even farther to government and others. So he's been a really valuable voice specifically from the idea of bringing big data perspective onto the board. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's it's probably more important than ever that that organization is strong uh, because of all of the different approaches to government, you could either call it involvement or slash interference, you know, with innovation. Yeah. And, you know, as our industry has evolved from 
you know, paper years ago to a terminal to now, you know, business management software plus payments or omni-channel opportunities to take payments and swiping, dipping, tapping, um, wallets, et cetera. The technology influence has been so meaningful that, you know, our span of, of needing to have a voice within uh, the regulatory bodies and the government has never been greater because everything touches us now because it could, if it impacts an iPhone, it impacts payments. If it impacts, you know, data security impacts payments. If it's privacy data, it impacts payments. So cybersecurity impacts payments. And so, you know, very typically many people in DC are trying to do the right thing, but this is a very complex ecosystem and we've worked really hard to have a really good voice a really good staff of people who can educate our policymakers in such a way that we are actually benefiting the merchant, the consumer, and our industry being able to continue to innovate. So I think that's the most important reason that we exist. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's still the place that you can come to meet all parts of the ecosystem and to understand how if, you know, an innovative Silicon Valley organization that wants the payments is a part of this is the you know is the place to come to understand how and why those rails work the way that they do and how and why the distribution can you know be an ad an asset and um, last but not least well, it's not really last but I'll say the big three is education because as it's gotten more and more complicated you know we hold our our members to a certain standard of professionalism. And one of the main reasons to do that is not just the stick, obviously, it's the education. So, you know, we don't want to ever incite a need for regulation. And as such, we try to do a really good job on the front end of educating our partners on, you know, the need for PCI security, the need for certain processes, the need for regulatory um, oversight on ourselves. And uh, we, we think that we do a good job of breeding uh, really good, solid companies. Corey, do you even want to try after that? <laughs> I, I had the same thought. Of, yeah, I, I was literally just going to say, I've got KJ to thank for uh, for getting involved in the ETA. And yeah, I, I think the the main point I would just add to it is, uh, you know, when I first got into this industry, uh, you know, in, in the mid two thousands, it was it was a very different type of ETA. Um, it was very much a, uh, a merchant, you know, acquirer focused uh, ISO kind of agent focused organization. Uh, and the world started kind of moving around and moving past the ETA. And I think, you know, it's people like KJ, um, you know, with his leadership at the helm that really took a broad look and said, Hey, we're, we're not in tune with what's happening. We're not in tune with where the markets are going. Uh, we're missing out on this huge segment of tech, you know, companies that are, you know, tech enabled payments uh, and started pulling in, you know, different folks to, to participate in different ways, either directly through leadership positions um, like KJ did with myself and a few others uh, on the board uh, or through the different programs that the ETA put together to tap into the tech community and say, how do we partner together for the benefit of all of our constituents here? And so I think, you know, as the, the voice of the electronics payments industry, you know, we, there was a risk for a little while there that that voice was going to go unheard because it just wasn't as relevant. And um, I think through, you know, the work, the hard work and focus and kind of seeing around the corner of the ETA board uh, did a great job of really repositioning that organization and allowing, you know, the the reach that they have um, 
you know, into, uh, for example, some of the lobbying and policymakers. That was something that, that we actually tapped into during, uh, you know, the pandemic and, and in the work we're doing with the PPP. And, you know, we were a direct beneficiary of being able to fast track some of our conversations because of ETA's reach there. And so it was great to have that connection in place because, you know, we would have been left kind of building those connections from scratch had it not been for, you know, the, the ETA and, uh, you know, the, the advocacy that they had put in place there and the lobbying work that they've been doing. So wrap it up, Corey, and I appreciate the time you've given us today. What do you see as the drivers of change? Is the industry going to take a breather or is this like that giant ball boulder coming at Indiana Jones? Are you guys now rolling so fast downhill? It's going to be an even crazier 10 years ahead. Uh, Yeah. So honestly, uh, with how 2020 has gone so far, it's really hard to think about <laughs> 10 years. Uh, I, yeah, I make the joke of where we are right now. Um, you know, like no one even gives credit to murder hornets being the thing we're all scared about at the beginning of the year. <laughs> like we, we, we had no idea what was coming at that time. Um, you know, made all these plans and had all these you know dreams for 2020. And, and, you know, this is, <laughs> we're only months into that still. And it's, uh, it's been insane. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, like anything, right? Technology grows at exponential rates, uh, and I think we've witnessed that in the the payments industry in many meaningful ways. Uh, you know, a lot of this is enabled by other technologies. So, uh, you know, whether it's um, you know artificial intelligence or machine learning, uh, learning or uh, you know any of the the data access that we just never had access to before, we can deploy in meaningful ways. I think we're really seeing like a confluence of a lot of those things come together now uh, in, in a way in which um, they're more accessible than they've ever been. You know, we've seen a couple of these inflection points with like AWS making server, the cost of servers and startup software, uh, software like a non-starter all of a sudden where you, you don't have to worry about that as startup costs. It doesn't require raising a huge amount of money to build a server farm, to build a business. Uh, and I think the same is true with like APIs and the extension of APIs now where you don't have to be responsible for the full tech stack. You can focus on you know one or two specializations, and then you can leverage you know and lease this other technology and the IP of other companies to build out your solutions further. Uh, and that's really what we've been focused on at Womply is using kind of all of these different tools to our advantage as much as possible. Um, you know, I talked a lot about our data. Um, we refer to that as our, our local commerce graph, and that's you know uh, this incredibly insightful database and in how consumers and local businesses are interacting nationwide. And you know, our kind of perspective on that is we want to be part of the change, and rather than hoard that asset to ourselves and our applications, we've really been focused on how do we make that accessible because. We can't create every solution. We're not going to come up with every you know, idea. We're not going to be able to have resources to build everything. But if we can make the data accessible via APIs, people are going to build incredible things that we would not even fathom that are going to help all the constituents, you know, consumers and small businesses alike. Uh, and so I think we'll see a lot more of these uh, platform kind of technology-enabled solutions that are driving uh, really unique outcomes for their end customers, whether that's you know more consumer focused or more small business focused or a combination of the two. Uh, but I think you know the what we'll see as a result are uh, all of these things are going to be much more elegant. Um, they're going to be much simpler, and they're going to be way more powerful for end users. And the users are going to just kind of forget about the complexity behind the scenes because that's our job as innovators. Like we have to obfuscate and completely eliminate any of the you know the complexity and the challenges of building the solution 
because consumers want things fast. They want it to be easy. Small businesses want it fast, easy. They just want it to work. They don't want to have to think about it. Uh, and so I think we'll see a lot more things around ease of payments, speed of payments, flexibility in payments, uh, and you know, tying that together in, into all the systems instead of having to deal with you know, a cluttered countertop of different solutions to receive an order here, you know, deliver an order here, take money here, you know, manage inventory here, like all those things are becoming pretty readily outdated. Uh, and so I think, you know, all that's going to be kind of brought together by this, uh, you know, this integration of different solutions through a lot of more, a lot more of HPI technologies. Well, Corey, thank you, man. This was an honor. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. KJ, Brian, appreciate you having me. I know this isn't really an invite, but if Ski Tech's canceled, like I am coming to ski with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> you can find me on the slopes, man, any day. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you all. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Because We Had To. If you want to learn more about the work that Corey's doing to help small businesses, or if you'd like to access free small business resources, you can do so by visiting Wompley.com. That's W-O-M-P-L-Y.com. We'll see you soon for another episode.